Welcome back. Another Accelerate Daily. I'm Adam. My name is Mackenzie. You're not Ramsey. No, I'm not Ramsey. So I got to start with, I'm honored to have our first guest host on The Daily Show. We'll let you follow the links if you want to know what Mac's up to. But briefly, founder of GPT Boss, uh, which is a, which is a, I'll let you pitch it real quick. Yeah, sure. You're in the weeds building stuff. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, I've been referred to as an industry leader. <laughs> so GPT Boss is a chat GPT alternative specifically for business. There's some stuff that happens with chat GPT that makes it a little bit more difficult for business people to use. And I've solved some of those problems. There's a lot more to solve, but yeah, it's going pretty good. Yeah. And yours, yours is very like where mission control is about enterprise, solve those problems. Yours is more on the street in terms of like, totally. Hey, I can't afford a marketing person, but with effective prompt injection, you can create for them a whole barracks full of digital marketers that are better than nothing. Yeah. There's, there's 120 million people working in the United States and there's 64 million small businesses with under 50 employees. So most people, most like when you say a business person, 50% of them are like this guy that just has like a window washing business and nothing else. So that's kind of what I'm going after. That's what I'm trying to support. Yeah, man. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Let's jump in. This first slide here rules. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, for people who are watching the live stream or watching the recording on YouTube, you can see the image right now. Otherwise, we'll link to it because I got it off of Reddit. But in the US, it's not copyrighted because it's AI generated. Uh, and I'm just going to keep doing that because, I mean, they'll make cool thumbnails at YouTube for one. But also, they'll make a point that it keeps coming up on this show so often that it just needs to be a segment and we need to find a way to make it interesting, which is... Describe what this image is for the listeners. Yeah, for the listeners only, what we have here is Martin Luther King Jr. taking a selfie with Obama. Um, those are all the people that I can recognize, but there might be other famous. Uh, and the quality yeah. of the picture is it's good real. enough that when I throw <laughs> it behind like a 65% opacity oh, like overlay mask, it just looks real. Yeah, MLK, no. he's got four <laughs> fingers, no more, no less. So this technology <laughs> yeah. is progressing rapidly. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Okay, on the topics and uh, easing our way into the creative stuff. AI has come up in the context of the Writers Guild of America uh, writer's strike happening right now. Last strike was like 15 years ago. I remember it. A lot of like watching Conan O'Brien spin his ring on his desk. I... I I tend to prefer late shows during a writer's strike because it's, you just got to kill time yeah. or, or run reruns, I guess. Yeah, I wasn't around for it. But from what I understand, basically every show was like the Eric Andre show where she just, you couldn't predict the next segment. Yeah, right. So, but that fun part of it aside, the writers are out there with a real consideration, which is that the media landscape has changed drastically. Like their ask is basically our whole universe changed because of streaming where there used to be 22 episode seasons. Now there are these weird eight things and they do like mini writers rooms where they only hire half the writing staff they would usually hire. Even though you would hire that same staff like for the one episode because that's the staff you need. They're like, well, you're doing half as many episodes in a season. So you get half as many people, right? And the writers are kind of like, that's not how that works. At the very least, that's not how all of our contracts are structured. And so, like, we're steadily getting screwed out of this business by, never mind the AI portion, but, like, 
just what streaming has done to media consumption. Yeah, I've been following this one on TikTok. And so the mini writers rooms are a big problem because they don't allow for junior writers, which is a big problem because people, you know, uh, the, like the Fleetwood Mac song, children get older, you know what I mean? People grow up and retire and the experts can't do it anymore after a while. So you need this like influx of juniors that are building experience and many writers rooms do not allow for that. Additionally, the streaming royalties are completely different. So as a writer, you used to get a royalty check for work on an episode the next year and 10 years later and 20 years later, there's still royalty checks going out for, you know, friends and cheers and stuff like that. But with streaming, the royalty structure is completely different. I don't have the details on what that contract is, but it's not nearly as good as what was happening on no. TV and mechanical reputation or uh, reproducing. Yeah. The part that mattered to us, and this is a funny link because it's just to an Instagram post, but that's kind of what I want to do here. It's just be like, hey, here's the place I found this. It's a TikTok. They, they presented a table of their proposals, the, the Writers Guild versus the studio's response. And one of them says artificial inte- intelligence. And the request from the WGA was, Regulate use of artificial intelligence on MBA-covered projects. AI can't write or rewrite literary material, can't be used as source material, and MBA-covered material can't be used to train AI. That's very restrictive. But the answer from the studios was straight up rejected, countered by uh, offering to have meetings to discuss advancements in, quote, advancements in technology. An annual meeting. An annual meeting. Yeah. yeah. Even if <laughs> even if they said weekly meeting, that wouldn't be fast enough. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's getting real. Yeah. I realized I meant to lead with this story, but whatever. White House announces a $140 million AI hub investment ahead of meeting with Google and OpenAI. CNBC reporting. That's all? Only $140 million? Yeah, when you compare it to like how much money OpenAI has raised, it seems small, but it's big as government funding goes. Uh, the bigger thing, though, I think, is this was part of a coordinated press push. So follow that link and then follow some of the other links. And it's like every regulatory body in the U.S. just dropped a thing in, this, in the vein of, we are paying attention to this. And There's an FTC, there's an op-ed from Lena Khan from the FTC. Uh, you know, about don't break the laws. <laughs> like, don't use this for the same scams that you're not allowed to do without it. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff. It's good but that they're codifying that because... It, specifically, it, this is funding in the budget that they've been going back and forth with Congress on coming out of the National Science Foundation to create an additional seven government-funded U.S. research hubs. The second point is interesting, too, because. I'm sure you know this, but a lot of like transformer models, we still kind of refer to them as a black box. We don't totally know what's going on in the neural network. So it's interesting that they're saying just like open up what you have, but the transformer like writers don't necessarily know what they have. So I don't know how this is all going to shake out from a security perspective. Uh, clearly our, our bet over here is like compliance monitoring and that uh-huh. sort of awareness of, of, I guess it all, that all fits under transparency requirements is what they kind of call it in regulatory circles, I guess. I think this does line up with the overarching theme, though, um, saying that, you know, the White House is, is taking this seriously and saying, you know, this is something that's going to impact not just writers' jobs, not just creative jobs, but like everything. So we need to deal with this from stem to stern as a matter of national security. And the, re- and the hubs are focused on different areas of impact and stuff. You know, this is a way that we have very effectively solved problems like this in the past. Research agencies invented nuclear power. 
you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also the nuclear bomb yeah. uh, along the way. So, you know. This one, I think we mentioned on the feed at one point, but still hot, hot news. Uh, quote, feel free to take advantage of my IP, unquote. Grimes launches AI music software that generates her voice. 50% royalty. That's the part we talked about because we saw a tweet like right before we started recording the day that it happened. Mm-hmm. I put a comment on, on this one, but it, it got read late. Uh, I was saying that this is the correct track to take to start to say like, this is how much royalty I'm willing to give up. Because the, if you say like, I'm not giving up any royalty, the alternative is zero. Because with, with music and reproduction, uh, we have um, parody law, right? So if the, if the reproduced work, if somebody takes like a Drake sample, for example, and uses it in a song that is non-commercial, right? They refuse to get paid for that song. Then the value of Drake stems, Drake's voice kind of goes to zero because it could be imp- infinitely redu- reproduced for like zero value songs, right? So the val- like there's no royalty to collect. Or you could open it up like Grimes did. So there is royalty to collect and she gets some of it. The, the alternative to, to not sharing royalty is to collect zero royalty. And, and to, to undertake an ongoing enforcement action (laughs) to try to stop people that are going to do it anyway yeah like i saw somebody i don't remember where i'm sure we talked about it on the show but it was somebody saying like this is the new paradigm if you're a kid in your bedroom thinking you're going to be a producer you can make a track for drake it's like what you're imagining is you're sitting down to try to make a thing why not just put drake on it you can do that now (laughs) literally And those things are going to make it out before you can shut it down and they're going to whatever. It's like, okay, we could try to super monitor this, but we sure failed with BitTorrent. So Mm -hmm. it may not be doable. Uh, And so, yeah, I think I've said it before. I think that's kind of the way to go. And then we're going to get some really interesting nuanced like royalties tracking and stuff that gets to the place where you and I met, Mac. Yeah. (laughs) Crypto projects and blockchains and all kinds of interesting things. Yeah, I tried to build like a blockchain Spotify last year and I, the consumer can't really handle it. So I don't, I don't know if you did this on the show, but there was this like investigation into the AI generated music generated by Spotify for the radio yeah. stations. So like streaming is so expensive that like streaming platforms um, to meet that price point that consumers are willing to pay, they are already producing AI music. So they're going to love it. Like all this stuff comes in and they don't have to pay full royalties to like Grimes or whatever. They're stoked. They're pogged out of their court. They love this. And honestly, it's probably a way that they sidestep publishers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. <laughs> this is a complete quick. Uh, Chad says, issue. might the 50% royalty model be an alternative to capitalism? Parentheses, dream big. Um, no. Probably not. But, but it is the sort of democratization dream, I think, to some degree, right? It feels weird because it feels like you're taking it away from the artist. But at the same time... What did Grimes have to do? Yeah, exactly. Except sort of lend likeness, which is sort of like an endorsement deal or something, right? Like, why is it okay when Nike does it and pays a bunch of money? Anyway, the point is, constructs for this possibly create just crazy design space. And I think when that hits the artists and stuff like that, it just gets weird. And trying to stop it is is fruitless. Totally. Grimes has got the right idea. And now... This is my life, right? The age of imagination. The age of imagination. 
And the actual link is to a is to an AI model. <laughs> yeah, it's an AI model from Hugging Face. My friend Rajiv over at uh, Hugging Face, he runs the TikTok for them. He let me know about this. So, so to talk about the model a little bit, this is a, a contrastive language audio pre-training. Okay, so what this does essentially is it takes a list of keywords and you could feed audio to it and then it identifies what keyword semantically matches that audio file. So as like I I am, am excited about all of the producers that could do things like take Grimes' voice or Drake's voice or Michael Jackson or Elvis Presley or whatever the case may be. There's no, there's no limit. Um, and I'm excited for people to be using those things to produce new music and to just uh, have this complete proliferation of what kind of new ideas could everyone collectively come up with using these artists that we know and like. It's a really good application of, of Maya, right? Like we, you could imagine like a Miley Cyrus vocal on a, on a Skrillex song or even more complex, but because there's Miley Cyrus involved, um, that's more accessible to people. So the, the kind of sound design, timbre and uh, composer skill is going to expand rapidly because it's so easy to get that one familiar element that makes this music remain accessible. So the purpose why I included Clap is that as a producer, you could bounce your finished track to Clap and then have AI determine if it's good enough. Like it can tell you because you could train it on other songs that you like. It can let you know how close it is to that target that you're looking for. And it can quantify it. It'll show you if you're using this Python at home. If you, like, Not everyone can use this, obviously. Not everyone's a developer. So maybe there's a product on the way that does something like this that uses this model. But if you're you know, 18, 19, you could pretty much figure out Python in a weekend. So you could get this running and you have a quantifiable you, metric of you like... You can use ChatGPT to help you with the Python. Totally. Even you if you describe in natural language what you need your thing to do to another AI model, and it'll tell you how to do it. Yeah, totally. You do that in Bing now. Yeah, exactly. So even, <laughs> even if you're not 18, 19, right? Like, even yeah. if you're not totally technically savvy or, or you know, you've, you've gone through some post-puberty synaptic pruning, you could still figure this out. So it'll let you know how close your song is to your target. So the quality, not just the ideas, the, the, like, the range of ideas that are available is going to increase exponentially, but the quality of the ideas that are getting produced with tools like Clap are going to go crazy. And that brings us to kind of the age of imagination. So the idea of the age of imagination is that it contrasts the last age that, we're, that we were in, that we're leaving now, which is the age of information. So the age of information was all about, as a worker, what is it that you know? Um, what experience have you developed over the course of your career that allows you to quickly and efficiently solve problems? And that's what made a worker valuable. And obviously, because intelligence is cheap and infinitely reproducible, that kind of information, that kind of problem solving isn't really as relevant anymore. It's not really required. So we have, we're standing in front of like a fork in the road and it's like, which way are we going to take our civilization? One way is to say, well, nobody's valuable anymore. That was the most valuable anyone's ever been for the problems they could solve. And if they, if they can't do that, then there's no point to humanity. But there's this other path that's not as dark, which is what about having fun? What about like being cool and having fun and making music and making stories and using AI to leverage the creativity that you have, where the value of a worker is how much attention that they can gather for their ideas through their storytelling ability, right? So as, as a musician, now you have any vocalist that you ever wanted to use in history, and you can mathematically prove to yourself how good that song is by comparing it to other like multi-platinum, huge tracks throughout history. Anyone can create a pop song. So it's, it all comes down to the ideas and the storytelling and uh, the brand and stuff like that. That's where I think we can see this happening in music. We can see this happening with like the Writers Guild. They're saying, listen, we have this imaginative property that not a lot of other people have because we've trained our imagination skill more than somebody just using it. We have this imagination value and that's why they're on strike. That's why they're valid. That's why they're protecting their value and they can. I think that their strike is going to be successful um, because I think that every industry is going to move into this age of imagination where storytelling creativity is what really matters. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it aligns with like what, what I... 
you know, this is in the space of figuring out the mental model so that you can solve any other problem for like the era that we're, we've moved into now. Like we, like we, like Ramsey likes to talk about the post Anthropocene, right? Like, although I, I, I don't like that one as much because like we're in the Anthropocene as long as we are still fucking with our planet mm-hmm. in a way that's going to be a really big problem. And I don't want to pretend like we've transcended that, but this feels more like Bronze Age vibes, right? Like Age of Information. And you can see that in the valid, val, value of knowledge jobs and like the, the bill we were all sold, like go to school, get degrees, learn to do things. There'll always be value for you. Turns out a good percentage of that system is just teaching you how to write and communicate and like do a lot of very important but hard to learn human things. We just offloaded that. We just all offloaded that. minimum viable communication and execution of creative ideas. Mm-hmm. It's the creative directors of the world that benefit from this the most, right? Like the people that already have experience at, at going in and saying, okay, I need it to feel, I need it to have this vibe and I need it to go like that and try 10 iterations that whatever. And that's super exciting. Yeah, they like lightning rod this vision and then it's right. all, they have a team for like executing it. Yeah. And that's where AI comes in. AI can be that team. So everyone can do this creative directing well, and it hits AI in an interesting place because you go, okay, but AI does seem to be creative. I think the creativity is more like there's an aspect of creativity that's that's uh, recombination of like pre-existing yeah. stuff, right? Everything's a remix, interpolation, that kind of stuff. And then there's the just like, I've worked with people where I'm like, where did you get that batshit idea? It's <laughs> glorious, yeah. but I have no idea where it came from. And they regularly produce those. Taika Waititi is a good example of like a of like a pop culture version of some commercial directors I've worked with in the past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> anyway, that part's exciting. Enough to run run the episode over this long. Yeah. Um, so if you're really that. interested in the modeling and all that kind of stuff, no, this is why I'm excited to have you come by as a host. So, when Max here, stick around. We'll get in the weeds like this. Otherwise, this has been uh, Thursday, May 4th. This is Accelerate Daily. I'm Adam. Yeah, may the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. Thanks for joining us, everybody.